When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go! Jets win it! Touchdown, rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it, Allen. Tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeJet1. And it is time for midweek news and notes. And so for that, we bring in our friend who covers the Jets for AM New York, Mr. Nick Ferry. And Nick, what's up, brother? How you doing, Scott? Great to be back. Nick, we've got breaking news. How about the timing on this one? Nicole Hardman, that signing still is so strange to me. I don't think we're ever going to figure out what happened here. Jets bring him in on a one-year, $4 million deal. He was supposed to be the speed guy. And he never really got on the field. They never gave him a chance. He ends up getting shipped back to Kansas City in a late round pick swap. That's about the best they were going to be able to do here. I'm not surprised. Makes sense for Kansas City. There's a familiarity there. He knows how to play in that system for Andy Reid. And obviously, he's got some synergy with Patrick Mahomes. Had six touchdowns there last year. So that'll be good for them. As for the Jets, it was a $4 million waste. They didn't play him. Might as well get something, anything for him at this point. I wish they'd have done something with him. They could have used his speed. They're thin at wide receiver. But since they weren't going to, this was the best course of action they could take at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, I don't think we are ever, ever going to get a true explanation of of why uh, McCole Hardman wasn't on the field at, at all. And because, yes, you know, we, we kind of heard from the coaching staff saying, well, it's because Xavier Gibson stepped up and because he played so well on special teams, that gave him, uh, that kind of made him expendable. But at the same time, Randall Cobb is playing in the spl- the slot as a third receiver, as the predominant third receiver. And quite frankly, he hasn't really done much. You know, I understand he's a competent blocker. He's a competent guy, but he can't get open down the sideline. He can't get open in the middle of the field. So it, it's just, a, a you know, you're trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole uh, and it just doesn't really fit. And I felt that with Hardman, that would be a position and that would be a spot where he would be perfect for as that third receiver, that that speed guy that you can use down the sideline uh, that Randall Cobb just isn't anymore. And, and it was all it was always very confusing to me that they would continue to use uh, Gibson and Hardman together, but not Cobb. But, you know, all that being said, he's now a Kansas City chief. And in reality, the situation is if you weren't going to play him, why would you have a four million dollar cap hit? sitting on the bench every week so it just makes more sense cut ties now move up in the draft 
And again, it's, you know, he had one catch for six yards. He wasn't really going to be, he's not an impactful player on this team right now because the coaching staff, I guess, just isn't going to expect him to be an impactful player. So you move on, take what you can get and, uh, and just keep moving forward. Yeah. Nick, we assumed that the Jets were going to try to trade Meikle Hardman at the deadline. Another player that they very well could try to move is Carl Lawson. He's a guy that they brought in here with a lot of fanfare a couple of years ago. He had that injury. Then last year he came back, he played, but he wasn't looking like his old self. This year he's been an active significant portion of the season, although he did play 30% of the snaps this past Sunday. I think a lot of that had to do with the shortage at defensive back. They just decided to go with an extra pass rusher while they're short at defensive back. But now you look at the salary with Lawson, even after he took a pay cut, they could have moved him in the summertime. They didn't. And so now they have to figure out what to do with him. If somebody's willing to give up a late round pick swap like they did for Hardman that probably makes a lot of sense also I was talking to you before we started recording and I've been discussing this on Twitter a lot I think calling the Raiders and offering a Carl Lawson for Hunter Renfro swap would make a lot of sense Renfro has been a productive receiver in the past only 27 years old no guaranteed money past this year the salaries are pretty close the Raiders are not using Renfro he's fallen out of favor there Josh McDaniels doesn't like him for whatever reason. Lawson has fallen out of favor here with the Jets. By all accounts, the Raiders are looking for pass rush help. So that's a move that I think makes a ton of sense. I'd love to see the Jets do that because the Jets are now very thin at wide receiver after the Hardman move. I know he wasn't playing much, but they were thin with or without him. Xavier Gibson banged up, and even so, not a lot of experience. Alan Lazard has been okay. The only one that's really been a consistent, high-level contributor is Garrett Wilson so far. The Jets could absolutely use somebody that could produce in this offense, which Renfro could because anybody that can run efficient routes can do well in this offense. I think Renfro would be a nice fit. A loss in for Renfro swap would make a ton of sense, as I said. But there are other things that the Jets could be looking at. Nick, any buzz you're hearing about Lawson, about Renfro, about anybody else involving the Jets? Well, I think the one thing, you know, and, and obviously we were talking about it on the side, but that Renfro for Lawson deal just makes too much sense. Um, and, and I understand a lot of people might be interested in Renfro. Some people are confused as to why he's not really playing a lot anymore in Las Vegas. But I think a lot of people forget that Jacoby Myers, who's essentially in his spot, um, is, is getting a lot of traction now. So I think his time's up in Las Vegas, absolutely. And, and a loss in trade, which is, it makes too much sense for the Jets. You get a competent slot guy, um, the, the Wes Welker type player in the slot that can just annoy you down the field to death. Um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think, you know, you look at the overall team itself and you look at where their weaknesses are and where they could make a deal um, to really, you know, help their long-term prospects, I think it's probably at either safety or the interior of the offensive line. At safety, uh, Tony Adams obviously had a massive game against Philadelphia. Jordan Whitehead has been phenomenal all year. The safety play has kind of flipped from last year where they were one of the worst groups in football. Uh, they are certainly up to the task this season. But adding a third one can't, you know, can't hurt. I, I, you know, Adrian Amos is a good veteran. He's a nice presence in the locker room. But if you were to get a guy, you know, b- before today, I would have said Jeremy Chin made the most sense, but now he's probably going on IR. Um, so that doesn't really make much sense anymore. Um, but ultimately, I think a, a move at safety could make sense on the defensive end. Maybe an extra defensive tackle if, you, if you're getting a little greedy. 
Uh, but ultimately, the offensive line and specifically the interior is probably uh, where this team is going to look at. I don't have any names right off the top of my head, uh, but there's going to be some players uh, that could you know, be moved. And, and Garrett Bowles, the tackle from uh, Denver, he's clearly unhappy with how the Broncos are doing. He's tired of losing. Maybe he's a name to keep an eye on. Uh, potentially, you know, let's see if you can move him to guard, you know, tackles to guard. It's not always a, a healthy thing, but uh, if it's a position change where he can play for a winner, I'm sure he'd be more than happy to do so. And there's two weeks uh, to prepare for their next game. So no moves yet currently on the docket that I'm hearing of right now, but certainly uh, that could change in the near future. We're still a couple weeks away from the deadline. Uh, and with Joe Douglas and, and his coach and his uh, GM tree, Coming from the Howie Roseman, you know, discipleship, uh, no deal is is safe uh, from that kind of that kind of group. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Nick, any update on Lael Collins? You mentioned offensive lineman. He was in here for a workout not too long ago. Still hasn't signed anywhere. What's going on there? Yeah, and I think it's very telling. You know, this is a guy coming off ACL surgery last year. Didn't really play well beforehand because he was dealing with a back injury. Um, but he worked out for the Jets and also the Giants on the same day. And I would argue uh, that the Giants are in far more dire straits along their line than the Jets are, particularly because Mekhi Becton and Lakin Tomlinson are playing so well on the left side. So the fact that the Jets and the Giants both worked him out and haven't really come to terms on an agreement yet, kind of tell me that, you know, maybe Lyle Collins isn't officially 100% ready to get back on the football field. Uh, he suffered that injury, what was it, in January. We're nearing that nine- to ten-month window where players can get back to full strength. But ACL injuries usually take about two full years to recover, according to most uh, medical practitioners. So, to me, that's more telling on the that he's not ready uh, because both teams, the Giants and Jets, could use tackle help, and both teams have not signed him to a deal yet. Speaking of recovering from injuries, let's talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers. He was making some headlines because before the game on Sunday, he was walking around with no crutches, no walking boot, and actually throwing passes. So everybody all of a sudden got really excited about the possibility of him maybe making history and coming back way earlier than expected. He made his appearance on the Pat McAfee show this week, said he's ahead of schedule, but he's got a bunch of markers and rehab to clear before he can play. Quote, hopefully we get to have those conversations. I assume what he means is that the Jets are in a good enough position in the season where it makes sense for him to even consider rushing back from the injury. He said it makes absolutely no sense to put a timetable on it, even though he has said that ideally he'd like to play sometime this season. I still think it's a long shot. I know he's ahead of schedule. I know he's beating the trends right now. But for a guy who's 40 years old to come back from that injury in record time, I'm just not going to get my hopes up. If it happens, great. I'll consider it an added bonus. He said it was special to be at Sunday's game, throwing in pregame and wearing a headset. Said it made him feel normal. He said he's, quote, the voice of common reason on the headset. Also said he was debating whether or not he was going to fly east for the game. But Robert Sala convinced him, saying, we need you here, buddy. Now he's back in Southern California for the bye. So obviously Salah realized that Aaron Rodgers' presence on the sideline is important. Never a bad thing to have a Hall of Fame quarterback in the ear of Zach Wilson or really any of the other players on the sideline. Yeah, and, and you saw that impact. The defense, you know, you look at the defense, they had 
arguably the best performance out of any singular defense that I've seen in quite some time, shutting down one of the best offenses in football. The way they did it, highly, highly impressive. Uh, and the offense, too. You know, a lot of people were like, well, they kept kicking field goals in the red zone. It wasn't that good. But when you win the turnover battle 4 nothing, uh, and your offense doesn't turn the ball over, that's all you need to do. Just keep kicking field goals if the other team is going to keep messing up like this. That's exactly what they did. They made them pay when they needed to. And they came away with a massive upset win that I would argue changes the entire outlook of the season. 3-3 three and three going into the bye with Zach Wilson. Three games upcoming against teams that you should be able to win. I think that's a tremendous, tremendous game uh, game plan. I think Rodgers' impact and just his presence there greatly affected that. In terms of his overall recovery, though, I get it. A lot of people don't want to get their hopes up. Um, a lot of people are saying, well, let's, you know, he's not coming back until week 16, week 17, whatever it is. Even if he does, it's not really that good of an idea. I know the New York Post came out with an article yesterday. You know, they spoke to a lot of different medical practitioners. They all said this is a bad idea. He should slow it down. There's no rush. Blah, 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 blah. At the same time, look at where Rodgers is in his overall recovery. He talked about on that particular show with Pat McAfee, he said that he's walking with a slight limp. It's not where he needs to be. And I think a lot of people are expecting him to be rushing this. They feel that he's rushing this rehab. But I don't think that's the case. I think what's happening is he found um, a, a source of, uh, you know, a particular doctor who said, listen, you can come back from this at this timeline, but you have to reach those benchmarks. And he really emphasized those benchmarks as well as part of this rehab situation, talking about running and practicing and all these next steps. Um, and, and, you know, if he came out and said, I think I'm going to play, I'm feeling good. That's one thing. And maybe he's rushing it. You know, maybe those concerns are valid, but he seems very relaxed in this rehab situation. He's focused on this rehab. So it tells me that it's not so much him rushing back. It's that he is quite literally, you know, changing the game of modern medicine with an Achilles injury. So I, you know, I can see it both ways, but at the same time, if the quarterback wants to come back this year, and you're in a playoff and a chance to win a game for the playoffs. Um, and he says he's fully healthy and ready to go, and the Dodgers have cleared him. I'm not going to be the one to sit there and tell Aaron Rodgers no. <laughs> uh, and I don't think anyone else would. So I think, you know, as long as he is comfortable with everything transpiring, I think the Jets have to let it, let it run its course and see how far he can get. Nick, take us inside the locker room. I know Robert Salas spoke as he always did. What did he have to say? And also some of the players. We heard from Quincy Williams, Tyler Conklin, Jermaine Johnson, and Alan Lazard. What did they have to say? Yeah, you know, the power of belief is such a is so important when it comes to NFL locker rooms. And you know, I kind of said this the last couple of days where when you beat a team like Philadelphia and when you go two and one against the Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs, and you could have easily have been 3-0, that sort, that, that sort of thing turns around a locker room. And you're starting to see that. The confidence level of this team is probably as high as any in, in the last decade in terms of how far they can get. But they still explain, you know, that this is still a work in progress. There's still things they need to improve on. Uh, you know, Lazard was talking about the red zone offense. Quincy Williams was talking about tackling all these different things that, you know, they want to improve on and continue to get to those goals. Uh, that's all right in front of them. And the fact that they are believing that they can do it, 
uh, and seeing it on the field and seeing their hard work um, really being put forth on the field and a lot of great results, that's changing. That's kind of changing the narrative here at one Jets drive. So I feel like the power belief is so important for this team because even last year they were what seven and three, seven and four. They lost a game, they lost a couple, and then it just, you know, it just had a downward spiral for the rest of the year. They lose their last six games. They don't score a touchdown in like four of them. Uh, it was just an awful, awful start, uh, awful, awful end, excuse me, to the season. This year is a little different. Your quarterback's playing a lot better. He's far more mature. Um, the team around him buys into him. They buy into this coaching staff. This is about as tight-knit a locker room as I have seen uh, from the Jets, you know, throughout my time here. It's it's a very strong group right now. You know, the one thing with, with Robert Sala um, that I always – you know, I, I always appreciate out of him, but at the same time, it's it's kind of, you know, that sort of gamesmanship process. Uh, we're still waiting on an up, an injury update from Joe Tipman. Um, you know, he said it, it doesn't look good originally uh, after the game. Uh, and that injury is going to be very important because you cannot lose two of your starting guards uh, going into going into a game day against the New York Giants with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. Um, you know, Wes Swisher, you know, played pretty well in, in relief, but he's now the only interior offensive lineman as a backup. So you need to make sure everyone's ready to go in that case. That's going to be a story that we're going to be keeping an eye on. But yeah, I think it, it just goes back to everything. This team believes that they can beat anybody. And when you have a team like that, that can win close games, that, that does such a great job adjusting in the second half, they are one of the more dangerous teams in the National Football League that I don't think anyone is going to want to see on your schedule coming up. Nick, you talked about Joe Tipman, but any updates on the rest of the guys that are banged up? DJ Reed, Sauce Gardner. I know we've got a couple of weeks to play with here, but what's going on there? Any news? Yeah, you know, it's interesting with Sauce because, you know, for a player that originally we were told that he had an illness, he wasn't going to practice Friday, uh, but that he should be fine, you know, on game day. And then Saturday that illness turned to a concussion uh, just out of the blue. And, and when we talked to Salah on Sunday after the game and then Monday, he kind of explained that, listen, you know, he was complaining of not feeling well going in uh, on Friday. We sent him home. Uh, he came back the next day, still wasn't feeling exactly right. So we went through an entire process. And what do you know? It turns out you have a concussion. And I think that's kind of the dangers of head injuries like this, where you can be feeling fine overall, but that doesn't mean you don't have a concussion. You can get a concussion doing day-to-day activities. You can get a concussion driving. You know, if, if you were to slip and fall, you know, fall down, something as minuscule as that could also cause a concussion because it's just the way the brain moves um, with different impacts. So that's the kind of thing that makes it a little bit dangerous, and I think that's why the Jets want to keep it as, as soft and slow as possible with both Reed and Gardner. And, and I don't think there's going to be any – question that those two are going to be ready uh, for the Giants game. It doesn't sound like the Jets are too concerned right now. I know Reed has missed now two games uh, with a concussion, so that's clearly a a pretty serious one, uh, and you don't want to rush a player back, but it doesn't sound like the Jets are at all worried right now in terms of, of, of the recovery time of their top corners. 
Nick, I was looking at the snap counts from this game, both offensively and defensively. One thing I noticed is that Jeremy Ruckert is starting to climb in the snap counts at 35%. Will McDonald still very, very low. Carl Lawson was active for this game. He had 30%, but Will McDonald only at 9%. Gotta wonder if going forward, these snap counts start to change and we see more of Will McDonald and even more of Jeremy Ruckert. Also worth noting that Randall Cobb had 55% of the snaps. I think that when it comes to Ruckert and Cobb, unless the Jets make a move at wide receiver, especially with Nicole Hardman gone, so there's no questions lingering with him. And Gibson is banged up now too, and he wasn't getting a ton of snaps anyway. You have to wonder if Jeremy Ruckert is going to get more snaps and they're just going to rely on tight ends more than the wide receivers because the only two receivers they seem to be able to rely on to any real degree are Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard. They're getting above 75% of the snaps. Those are the things that I think are worth watching. What happens with Ruckert and Will McDonald with the snap counts going forward as opposed to Lawson and Randall Cobb on the other end? Yeah, and you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with McDonald because a lot of people are drawing comparisons uh, to Jermaine Johnson's rookie year. He was a healthy scratch at one point, was struggling to see the field. Um, and then later on in the season, he sort of caught fire, showed some promise, and now he's playing at a Pro Bowl level. He's been phenomenal this year. I think that's where the Jets kind of want to see McDonald go, and that's where they want to see his trajectory go his rookie year. Um, I know they really like him a lot. He's, he just needs to get stronger. I think he's getting to that point. Uh, and, once, and once and if Carl Lawson is traded – um, there's, there's, I think it's a safe bet that he's going to receive a, a lot more snaps going forward. Uh, in terms of the offense, I'm glad you brought up Ruckert because ultimately right now we're seeing two tight ends featured in the passing game, and that's Ruckert and obviously Tyler Conklin. Conklin has been phenomenal the last couple of games as a safety blanket, but we're not seeing as much of C.J. Uzama. I think that's by design. I think they want to use him specifically as that third tight end, and then moving forward, sort of transition Ruckert into the number one tight end later on uh, over the next couple of years. And then obviously, you know, whatever happens with a trade deadline happens. Uh, but if you were to bring in Renfro, I think Cobb snaps decrease significantly. Um, I know they really like him. I know he's a, a favorite of, of Hackett's and Rogers, uh, but he's just not getting open anywhere close to what they need him to be. Um, and I think if they upgrade at that slot position, that's where the snaps are going to go down. Nick Faria covering the Jets for AM New York. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down the midweek news and notes with me. Really appreciate it. Make sure you follow Nick on Twitter and read his work at AM New York. Check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. Some awesome All-22 videos on our channel, so watch them and subscribe if you haven't already. YouTube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's tepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.